We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ah, yes! What's good, everybody? Welcome to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas at The Lamb Show. Make sure you are following all that VM shit everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Week two fallout. It was crazy. I got to keep it real with you guys. You know how I am. I had an episode already planned, scheduled, pre-recorded, and then a lot of shit went down in week two. And I figured, yo, I had to come on and kind of vent and rant about a bunch of shit because a lot of shit went down. And I think a good place to start I do have the episode. You'll get to the episode, right? You'll We'll get to the episode at the end. The podcast and chill with my buddy Mustafa, life coach, motivational speaker, 9-11 survivor, works with Dr. Eric Thomas, the hip-hop preacher. Just kind of talk about life, kind of tr- talk about the Andrew Luck stuff, kind of talk about UFC, just everything in general. Pretty cool conversation, but I do need to address a couple of things. Mahomes is fucking ridiculous, man. <laughs> Yo, that second quarter Mahomes had four touchdowns. It was the first time in his Chiefs career that they did not score an opening an opening quarter touchdown. And then he's like, Yo, don't worry about that, man. Here comes four. Bang, bang. Bay, bay. That's exactly what Mahomes did. Uh, the Patriots absolutely destroyed the Miami Dolphins. Uh, shout out to the 305. Um, everything else down there is lit, but not your football team. The Patriots are the first team in NFL history to cover a minus 16 spread on the road. And this is also the first time the Pats have covered a 16-point or more favorite under the Brady and Belichick era. So you had a lot of trends in favor of the Miami Dolphins. But like we always say, the Patriots just buck trends. They take your trend and they're like, ah, ah, it's not happening, not happening. Mahomes, like we said, absolutely ridiculous. There are two teams 
that I think we should give a shout out to, and that's the San Francisco 49ers and the Buffalo Bills. Both are two and zero. Both two road wins. The Niners could potentially be a two loss team by week nine, and I think I was underselling just how good. Not the Niners because I picked the Niners to win their division, but we have two teams, three teams in that division, all three and zero. And as you look at this Niners schedule, we got home Steelers, home Browns, at Rams, at Redskins, home Panthers, at Cardinals. Let's give them a loss to the Rams, and let's give them a loss to... That's it. So you're looking at a potentially one, two, three, four, five... You're looking at a 7-1 and one record going into a matchup with the Seattle Seahawks on November 11th, 11-11, Make-A-Wish. Uh, I believe that's a Thursday night football game. I could be wrong, but it is a 8-15 game, so it's, it's prime time. But yeah, yo, again, boss drove this point home with me many, many years ago. He's like, dude. We can't bash teams for being 10 and 0. It's like, yo, I'm 10 and 0. Like that's impressive, right? It doesn't matter who you've beaten. You beat who's on your schedule. I can't like, sure, I want to get wins if I'm a college football team against the Clemsons and the Alabamas on the of the world to boost my resume, but it's like, yeah, but I got Auburn and I got the Hurricanes on my schedule, so I got to play them. You know, so I can't I can't hold that against a team, you know? I think that I completely undersold the NFC West, all three teams. That division might have three playoff teams, potentially. You know, the, the way things are looking, I think that division, you have three teams that are 2-0. and all. I don't think any other division has that in all of football. Um, I want to start doing this every week, and I'm going to call it the completely dead teams. And these are teams that I think have no chance to make the playoffs. And we'll update this list as we go every single week. I guess we'll dedicate a segment to this. And then I have the not done yet teams that are like on the cusp of being done, but maybe we'll give them the benefit of the doubt for whatever reason we come up with. So for me, there's actually a lot of teams that I think are completely done. And I'm going to put an asterisk next to one team in particular. And obviously I'm going to get called a homer, but let's start off with that team right there. I went to the home opener for the New York Giants. Uh, great time, great vibe. The crowd was behind it. I actually took a fire picture of the flag in the whole stadium to the point where, like, my mom was like, yo, this is a beautiful picture. You should get it framed. Producer Mike, who's going to be keeping track of this list, too, so we can update it as we go. He was like, yo, you should get that framed for the studio. The Giants need to stop throwing out the corpse of Eli Manning. And from talking to Giants fans at the game, just kind of, like, picking their ear and seeing where their head's at, it is unbelievable the stranglehold that this dude has on the Giants organization and the fan base. I think fan is short for fanatic, and I think Giants fans are fucking idiots. This guy has not been good for a very long time. He has not been a good quarterback since 2014. The worst thing that happened to the New York Giants is that they made the playoffs in 2016 when they went in that offseason and that spring and summer, and they spent about $200 million in guaranteed money on players, and they had fun pieces around them, right? They had Sterling Shepard, uh, Victor, no, not Victor Cruz. I believe Brandon Marshall was on the team. And then it's like you have uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, actually, Brandon Marshall was not on that team. But 
you know, you have a lot of pieces around you. And the offensive line was weak. But then you had that stat where Ben McAdoo, who was an offensive genius, who really wanted Pat Mahomes in the draft. But the Giants said, no, we're going to stay with Eli Manning. So that's strike one. Strike two, they don't take a quarterback in last year's class. They take a running back, which is not for nothing now. I got to just admit defeat on that one. I I can't beat a dead horse anymore. Like Barkley was the best player in that draft. And I apologize to everyone who I kind of just annoyed and chewed their ear out saying how they should have taken a quarterback. Sam Darnold got mono. He's been injury prone in his career so far. He hasn't really jumped off the screen with the exception of like three weeks at the tail end of weeks 15, 16, and 17 and last season. Josh Rosen goes from the worst organization, probably the worst roster and uh, culture in Arizona and the NFC. Then he goes to the Dolphins where he can't even start there because they got Ryan Fitzpatrick and they're tanking for Tua or whoever else you think is going to be the top quarterback in the draft. Josh Allen, I think he's a carbon copy of Cam Newton. And if you're Buffalo, you want to look at how Cam Newton was utilized in that MVP season and those successful seasons with the Panthers. And that's exactly what you want to do with Josh Allen. Both are not overly accurate with the football. Both like to show up their muscles by running the ball and running people over, running in the goal line. Their offense flows better when they run. If you look at the pieces around Josh Allen, it's very similar to what Cam Newton had. Cam Newton had the Ted Ginns of the world the year, year he won MVP, right? He had uh, um, Philly Brown. He had an aging tight end. He just had a lot of pieces around him that like, kind of didn't make sense that he was putting up big numbers like that. You know, Kelvin Benjamin wasn't there also. Like, Kelvin Benjamin now, is he out the league? I don't even know where Kelvin Benjamin's at, right? Lamar Jackson, he's played, what, nine games in his NFL career, and he's lighting it up, but it's fair. I think it is fair to criticize that, you know, he's done it against the Dolphins, who are absolutely incompetent as an organization right now. Players are asking to get traded, like, during games and shit. It's crazy. They're clearly tanking for a quarterback. And then also the Cardinals. But, again, good shit. You're lighting it up. You're a top five MVP candidate, according to the Las Vegas Sportsbook right now, when you're looking at the odds. And you're doing what you should be doing against inferior competition. The good teams beat up on bad teams. The Niners, the Bills, the Ravens. That's what you got to do, man. You got to beat up on these shit teams, right? But with the Giants, the reason why they're not in my completely dead team pairing yet is because... They got to go to Daniel Jones. We cannot watch Eli Manning go out there and throw on third and nines, third and eights, throw a one-yard pass behind the line of scrimmage to Evan Ingram or Sterling Shepard whenever he gets back or to Saquon Barkley. It's like, yo, make a play. It's like, yeah, dude, you should do that sometimes, but not every time. The entire defense, no one goes downfield. The corners play so up when they play on the Giants because they know Eli Manning cannot throw the ball downfield, and it's just it's pathetic. It'll revitalize the fan base. It'll revitalize the offensive weapons. The defense would get hungry too. And the defense is trash for the Giants also. We'll say that for another podcast. But the Bills are running jet sweeps. And everyone was like bugging out like, yo, what do we do now? It's like, dude, the defense is a joke. The offense is a joke because of the guy pulling the strings. The offensive line is not bad. PFF last week had him as a number one run blocking offensive line. And in pass blocking, they were in the mid-tier, in the 10 to 15. And it's like, yeah, it's a significant upgrade from what it used to be. And they've they've addressed it with free agents, with trades, and with draft capital, like you should. But you got to throw out Daniel Jones, even if you think he's not going to be the answer. Whatever. You might think he's trash. It's cool. I think he's going to be fine. Am I a delusional Giants fan? I'm just saying that because I want it to be the case. 
Possibly. Who knows? But I do know that he is an upgrade from Eli Manning. Eli Manning is the only starting quarterback that a Las Vegas sportsbook said would get a one-point upgrade if he wasn't in. The quarterback is the only position on the NFL field that moves the needle, and the needle being the point spread in Vegas, right? What is the drop-off between the starter and the backup? Right now in the NFL, the biggest drop-off between starter and backup is Aaron Rodgers. Sportsbooks account for him being close to a seven or eight-point swing. For example, Aaron Rodgers is expected to play and the Packers are a 10-point favorite, and then all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers is out with, you know, he gets a sickness or he gets mono or whatever, though he's not going to get mono because he's an adult. Sorry, Sam. But Rodgers gets mono, and he misses a week three game, and it's like, well, now they're, now they're a three-point favorite in Green Bay as opposed to being a 10-point favorite. That's what I mean by his value against the point spread. With all that being said, Daniel Jones is an upgrade in this one sports book. And I wish I had the name of the sports book in front of me. I should have it. This is unacceptable, Lam. But he is an upgrade. It's going to open shit up. So until they go to, if they don't go to Daniel Jones, and right now Pat Shermer uncommittal to a week three starter, I love it. Yes, let's do it. Pat, put your foot down and let's go. And I love Eli Manning. I'm probably going to name my first kid Eli Manning, God willing. Um, I was going to name my dog Eli, but then my buddy Danny Lopriori, he got a dog and he named it Eli. And I was like, well, that'd be kind of lame. It lined up around the same time when we both got dogs. And it's like, well, that would be weird, you know, kind of have named the same dog or whatever. I don't know. I guess I'm not making sense, but I love Eli Manning and it's great. And he was tremendous. But like, yo, when is enough enough? The last talking point I want to make before we get into this episode Man, I love football just like the next guy or girl. Like, I really love football. During the football season, if my TV's not on NFL Network, I know someone's been in my room. And there's been big talks in the past about, well, the ratings are down. And what's the source to the ratings being down? And what can we do to boost up viewership? Or, you know, everyone always, when something happens, everyone needs to find a specific specific reason as to why it happened and you know people point to the the kneeling the the protest some of the players did the Kaepernick stuff people talk about the uh rise in concussion awareness and CTE and people are like yo man these guys are really putting breaking their bodies out there for us it also is the idea that people like going to games which is not true like attendance has gone down over the years because the television product is so good and despite viewership in 2018 being five percent higher than 2017 the nfl still was the number one watched show in primetime for eight straight years and it was it's the number one show on like five or six different networks. And the NFL accounted for 46 of the 50 most watched events in all of 2018. But I think a super underrated part that is not being mentioned as to why NFL ratings are down. Yo, I'm sorry. We don't realize this because this is the fantasy era and we love fantasy football. And one of the biggest appeals with the NFL is is fantasy football 
like, yo, it's so fitting that I'm having this conversation this week because I literally always use the example of if it wasn't for gambling and fantasy football, no one would ever watch a Thursday night football game between the Jaguars and the Titans. And that's literally what we have on Thursday night football. Like, yo, not for nothing, even if you're a fan of those teams, you might not even watch it. Like, I hate watching the Giants. It's just that they have Saquon Barkley because they're they're boring. They're so vanilla. They're they're it's not good to the eye. Right? I think with red zone, it has covered up a lot of the issues that the NFL has because red zone doesn't have commercials. Red zone not having commercials covers up the fact that there are so many damn commercials. Yo, I love football, like I said. It's given me a lot, a lot of lessons, a lot of good times, and a lot of great memories. And now it's also given me a platform to talk about this stuff. But football is annoying with the commercials, man. Prime example, I'm watching Sunday Night Football. They're inside the red zone of the Falcons. Matt Ryan throws an interception. It goes to a commercial break. They come back. The Eagles run, run one play. Just call it a five-yard pass to Zach Ertz. The quarter expires. They go to another commercial break. It's like, dude, this is not discussed enough as to why people are turned off by football. Football, if you were to take snap to snap, whistle to whistle, the game is only like 12 minutes long. But they stretch it out over three and a half hours. Yo, the commercials have gotten so, so ridiculous. And I think that is not being discussed enough as to why people are might, might, right? We talk about the numbers. 46 of the 50 programs on TV last year, last season, is how the uh, CNN business has it termed, was an NFL thing. Even the NFL draft was one of the higher rated programs. But it's like, dude. These commercials, man. And we don't realize it because we are in the fantasy and the gambling era where we love the NFL because we like to bet on it and because we love fantasy football. ESPN, I believe, has 50 million fantasy football users, which is crazy. I think it's like 300 million people living in the States. So you're looking at one-sixth of them are playing fantasy football on ESPN. So I just think that that was, that was just an observation over the weekend, and I think it's not being discussed enough. Let me know what you guys think at Veterans Minimum on Twitter, at The Lamb Show on Twitter. Tell me what you think might be the issue for uh, some of the ratings being down over the years, or is that is that something that's not being discussed? Because I think that it should be discussed, and I'm hoping I could be one of the first to bring this into the limelight. So with all that being said, sit back, relax. Enjoy this episode, podcast and chill with my buddy Mustafa Gonam, and we will catch you guys on the Thursday pod. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum is the Patreon page for the show if you want to support the show. A lot of extra content over there for you fans of Daily Fantasy Sports. There's some extra, extra content over there. Access to the Discord server and a whole lot. If you want the game lines and picks, it's on over there as well. Another sponsor of the show is Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new DFS app for prop bets. They have streamlined the draft process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by using only top-tier athletes. They've gotten rid of the traditional salary cap form to build a lineup around prop bets. 
So for each contest, you need to choose 10 of the 20 prop bets plus two ice picks that protect you from any late scratches or postponed games. For example, is Saquon Barkley going to go over or under 125 and a half yards this week? The less likely the prop is to occur, the more points the choice will be worth. Use the promo code VM when signing up to help support the show. And last but not least, for those of you asking for merch, for official Veterans Minimum merch, shirts, and hoodies, check out theloyalist.com slash Veterans Minimum. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Veterans Minimum, the number one sports and recreation podcast in the world. I don't know if that's true on iTunes, but I mean, in my opinion, no one can stop me on this one. You know know what I'm saying? Yeah. Speak it into existence. The laws of attraction, baby. You put me (laughs) on today. My guy Mustafa is back. Mustafa Gonem, lifelong friend, one of the best. I I think you are. If I had to power rank the people I know, you're my top overall seed. Wow. As far as best guys I know. Wow. Is that high praise? uh, That's a privilege. That's that's a big deal. Wow, I'm I'm, I'm being very sincere, folks. This guy's the man. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's uh that's a what do they call that a, a badge of what is it Some badge of honor badge of honor yeah. yeah, yeah that's the wrestling term is putting you over, right? Mm. So in wrestling, in the world of wrestling, whenever you have a young guy coming in, right, and you're like a grizzled vet, you're a guy that's been around the block, and you're mm-hmm. the big name. Yeah, one way to establish the next guy up, or the way to create the next star is I put you over. And that could be with a promo conversation exchange. It could be a match where I make you look so much better and then I eat the pin, I lose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You become the next guy up. So I'm putting you over here. And if you guys remember, you've been on the podcast once before, right? I sure have. And this is another high praise for you too. If you look at the archives, our most successful episodes, your episode with us when we did the importance of sports, Mm -hmm. Because we all grew up playing sports and whatnot. And kind of the bond that we all had yeah. at the end of the day was yeah. sports. It's one of our most successful episodes along with Robin Lumberg, uh, our buddy Jared, who fights in the UFC. We've had Cal Ripken. So that's nice. also high praise, too. Nice. Oh, yeah. that's a, <laughs> Those are some big names to be up with there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. This is great. Thank we, you for having me, brother. Nah, man, no problem. You know, one of the, you know, the, the show's in a little bit of a transition period right now. And one of the cool things that I like to do personally is... You know, this podcast and chill series where it's kind of just like open forum conversations. And a lot of people dig that. They Mm -hmm. dig the, sure, people want their X's and O's and whatnot. But people also like just pulling the curtain back, seeing a different form of entertainment and conversation. That's what I've noticed. And that's also what I like, too. So I like giving people what I like. Yeah. And I ultimately like interesting and head nod. You know how they say like head nod music? Yep. It's like, yo, head yep. nod. For people listening, I want them to like nod their heads. Like mm-hmm. it could be an anger, could be positive, right. but cause a reaction, Yeah, you know? And, you know, we'll we'll get into it. We have a lot to get through, but we just finished watching UFC. Oh, my God. I, this dude, Khabib, is a bully. That, all, that's what I'm going to say right there, just to kick it off. He is a bully. Straight savage. I don't even remember the other guy's name. That's how good he was. 
Yeah, man. And uh, <laughs> Moose came over. We're watching UFC. We just had a nice, uh, nice barbecue, and now we're we're chopping it up and whatnot. So obviously, this is about a a week and change since the fight. But yeah, man, Khabib is different breed, and you know it's funny. He he says that about to everyone. He's just like, yo, it's different breed when it when you wrestle with me or when you fight with me. Yeah, you can see that he was just really overpowering his opponent. I mean, no shot, no shot, just. A straight savage and a bully. And I love how cool, calm, and collected he was the entire time. It's like he's he knows he's the champion. He knows he's about to win. And he really just stuck stuck true to what he was good at, which which I absolutely love. Yeah, he's and I was I was explaining to Mustafa with Khabib how he's A plus plus when it comes to wrestling. Everything else is it's still good, but his number one thing. And it's like he don't care if he's going up against a submission guy, a kickboxer. It's like, nah, I'm gonna do what I do great. Yeah. Right and and hats off to Dustin Poirier. That's who he fought and whatnot. Hell of a story, but different breed, man. Khabib says that shit all the time with every yep. fighter. He's like, yo, just a different animal. Yeah, mindset, man. Mindset puts people over the edge, and uh, yeah, your boy came to play. That's right. And uh, you know, um, our guy Felder also won. Jared's a good friend, but it was, it was a pretty cool card. Pretty cool card. What would you say uh, your level of UFC fandom is? It's actually growing on me a little bit. Uh, I just think they've done a phenomenal job marketing the sport. Right. Uh, and, and athletes like, of course, Conor McGregor and now Khabib, uh, especially being that he's Muslim. And, you know, I'm Muslim myself. So I think that drew an attraction. So slowly but surely, it's growing on me. At first, I used to be like, nah, man, this thing is way too brutal. Mm -hmm. Because me personally, you know, I think about, like, would I be able to fight? You know, because I'm a, I, I like sports. So every right. time I like to put myself in, in the action seat and I'm like, would I be able to fight in a sport like that? And I'm like, dude, they these dudes are just straight animals. Uh, but no, I think they've done a phenomenal job. So it's definitely grown on me in the last three years. I don't think there's an athlete I respect more than a UFC fighter. or I, I should say MMA, because a lot of times like UFC has become it's kind of replaced at MMA. So people right. say oh, you do UFC. It's like, no, I actually do MMA. It's right. the proper, you know, being right. an actually technically guy. Mm -hmm. That's the proper term. But UFC has become, it's sort of surpassed the sport itself. You know, it's become such a big juggernaut. But yeah, they've marketed themselves tremendously. Uh, the thing with Khabib, man, and, and, you know, going back to what you said about m being Muslim, it's, it's also become a, a badge of honor of his, obviously. And, you know, some of the big storylines with Connor when he had his issues with Connor, and it's still relevant because they still have beef. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. Khabib's like, this is never going to end. Right. Like, this is going to be, you know, and Connor wants his rematch. He's talking about his leg being broken and whatnot during the fight. You know, people make excuses after the fact. But, you know, that's also his big appeal to Khabib. It's like he's so anti the new. Everyone wants to be a star. So one right. way you become a star is they follow the old wrestling back to wrestling. Again, I like to say everything is wrestling in sports. How mm -hmm. do you stand out? You talking, right. the, the entertainment aspect, the quote unquote promo where right. you try to sell the fights. Mm -hmm. There are other people that this is just business for them. They, they just want to fight. They don't want to talk. They don't want to do nothing. So the famous scene, and I was showing uh, Mustafa before how Khabib has Connor on the ground. He's like, let's talk now. <laughs> let's talk now he's pummeling him he's like yeah. let's talk you want to talk let's talk now right i did a horrible khabib impression but <laughs> yeah it's just it's it's become a juggernaut of a sport man yeah yeah no i definitely agreed i mean um i i enjoyed this one today for sure for sure you've been out with us a couple of times watching the fights yep now yep. that i remember yep yeah at least once or twice yeah at the very least the, yeah. the big pay-per-view fights and what's funny is my buddy boss who who used to be on the show he I got him into M uh, into UFC same way a lot of people do. You know, UFC they say has the highest 
return rate of any first impression when it comes to sports. Oh, wow. Why is that? Because our society has gotten kind of soft. Yeah. Right? Across the board. Uh, it, it's hard to not be... You have to be PC. And now even... It's not even PC anymore. You have to be even like super PC, you know? And with with the UFC, what do they have that no other sport has? Right. They allow you to fight. Yeah. Animalism. Like there's something about you being locked in a cage mm -hmm. and getting to scrap and like all bets are off. What's what's the what's the, the opponent that could be fought today? I forgot his Poirier. name. Poirier. Yeah, that guy. I I mean, hey, much respect. I understand, of course, it's not easy being in there. It's always easy easier when you're looking from the outside in like right. oh you look like but i mean just in my humble opinion and and to any uh portier fans out there who might be really upset like man shut up you don't know what you're talking about i just felt like he didn't have that dog mm. you know like just that like hey all right you you got me on the ground whatever it is but you can't you can't outwork me from a heart standpoint and i just looking at him i'm like like go like go you got something but right. yeah i just didn't i didn't get that that energy from him like that he just wanted it bad enough so i definitely know what you mean in terms of just our society is uh softened up a little bit so sure enough because it's funny man like recently we had andrew luck retire right mm -hmm. and you know a lot of things went into that the guy's been hurt i've been a shit i've been an andrew luck fanboy since like 2010 oh, man i've been that. bought all his stock and whatnot and i thought this dude was gonna be the truth and you know, not for nothing. If you really do a deep dive, like he was carrying that team for the longest time. Not a lot of talent around him and got beat up the first couple of years. The GM was super incompetent. Right. The owner was like seen with like uh, girls that weren't his wife and mm. like uh, got arrested for alcohol a bunch of times. And like the owner was kind of a, a loose cannon is the best right. way to describe it, too. So it's like. The only guy that kept that organization afloat was Andrew Luck. Wow. They've finally assembled a team. Or, shit, I had them going to the Super Bowl. Wow. You know, I work on my notes for the, the my preseason notes going into when we do the NFL preview show, our annual preview show. I start working on those like after Memorial Day weekend. Mm -hmm. So I had about two and a half months of notes. And I'm like, yo, MVP, Andrew Luck. It's like gone. I had to scrap half of that shit because not only is it a Colts issue. Yeah. It's like, well, who did you have the Colts winning? They're going to gain a game now, potentially. Their division is in flux now because that opens up the door for the Texans, Titans, Jaguars. Yeah. The rest of the conference, the NFC side. So yeah. it really just throws a wrench. But with Andrew Luck, you know, he retires and not for nothing. No one really said anything bad about it. Right. They all took his side. And the ones that did say, well, kind of a bitch move, just quitting on your team like mm -hmm. 10 mm -hmm. days before the season starts roughly yeah. or two weeks. And it goes back to the thing we were just talking about with like our society kind of being soft and it's yep. like coddling everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, of course, I'm a, a huge, uh, I don't want to say supporter, but of course, I totally understand the concept of mental health. Right. Right. Like I'm a big advocate for that. A lot of the work I do is to help people navigate through that. Uh, so, of course, I, I understand that side of the story. But. You know, I, I, like, for example, the reason why I love your dad is just uh, he's old school. Right? right. And he understands the concept of loyalty and respect. Right. So, like, in the game of football, especially as the quarterback, you are the leader, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, to kind of pull out 10 days before the season starts. Like, come on, dude. Like, seriously, you have to put others ahead of you, especially in a sport like that. And I don't know. 
you got to care also how you want to go down. Like, you know, unless football was just a, maybe a bridge for you to kind of make some cash and like hang it up. All right, cool, whatever. But I, again, I don't know if I want to be remembered. Me, again, talking on my, right, right, uh, yeah. about myself. I wouldn't want to be remembered as a guy who left 10 days out. Like for that, you should have left before the season started or waited till this one ended and just suck it up and go. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with him, the, the funny thing with him is that since about like 2015... I remember reading a report saying that he's been either hurt in the offseason or is rehabbing to get back. Mm. So it's like that definitely takes a toll on you. Right? Yeah. It's And then just imagine you put all that time and effort and you're going 120% to recover from this injury and then you rupture a spleen or hmm. you have shoulder surgery or you have a concussion. You know, And that's also like not for nothing. The concussions are the ones that we know of. Like right. How many of these are these guys hiding? For sure, right? Tom versus time. Giselle kind of was like, yeah, Brady comes home. Tom comes home all the time and it's kind of woozy. It's like, well, he's never been out with a concussion. Like, what the hell is going on over here? Right. But yeah, man, it's just, you see, I I feel him as someone who last year and one of the main reasons why I also got you on the show is because, you know, you you touched on like the mental health stuff and you being a big advocate for it. You've helped me a lot throughout the years. The conversations I've had with you have, uh, I'd say with the utmost confidence, I've changed my life as far as thinking. Mm-hmm. And not for nothing, last year, as people have heard, also changed it too, right. you know, and saved it, I should say. So there are a lot of things that we don't know fully that are going on. Oh, for sure. Behind the scenes. For sure. But again, it comes with the stage that you're on. Of course. You yeah. know, and I, I, and I think one of the things that we have to be very careful with uh, in our generation you know, it's become norm to want to be famous, to be on huge platforms and have a large following. But I don't really think that a lot of us consider what is the price that you really pay with such a big responsibility, because that's what it is. So we can have that conversation and say, all right, well, yeah, you know, you got to understand, I'm sure he was dealing with a lot. Sure. But when you accept and, and sign your name on that contract to play for the National Football League, to play for any professional sports team, to, to put yourself on, to be the face of any sort of platform, mm. we cannot just think about the moment and how good it may feel or whatever the case may be. We have to think about some of the responsibilities that come with it. And I just think that, you know, you got to suck it up. Like, it, it, it comes with the territory. Yeah, some of the people that said basically what you what you're saying now, the, you know, I, I like to call them the outrage police on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's like they just want to get angry at something, mm-hmm. so they just and it's it's a pile on culture. You know, it's like you, shit. I see it with us when we miss misread a stat. It's like, yeah. no, you idiot. You just I'm like, oh my bad. I was I was off point two yards. Like, <laughs> slow down. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. People like to pile on. People like to kick you when you're down. Yeah. And with Andrew Luck, everyone was just so, you know, not for nothing. Barry Sanders in the 90s stepped away from football after, I want to say, either one MVP or broke 2,000 yards. Oh, yeah. He's 31 years old. Still, you know, I mean, can't even say that he was falling off because he just had an exceptional season. But he was like, yo, I'm out. I'm tired of going 6-10, and 5-11, and 11, and right. I'm a running back where I'm getting beat up. And then, you know, Calvin Johnson, the same thing, wide receiver. He left at 30, 31 years old. I think the big issue with Andrew Luck, and I think it's a more, it's a bigger issue just in general, is it's perceived to be the safest position on the field. 
Mm. So for that guy to step away. Right. That's alarming, man. Yeah, imagine what the rest of the guys are going through. It's weird because I'm usually the supportive person and I feel like I'm playing devil's advocate, at least in his case, because of, you know, walking away with just two weeks before the season. But I know it's there's obviously a lot that's happening. And now in the era of information, I think it's only we're going to learn more about what really happens behind closed doors in the locker rooms more and more. I mean, Antonio Brown, all of it, I think is only going to come around full circle. So, yeah. And even Gronkowski, he was doing a, an interview, not an interview. I think he answered a question from a fan and he was promoting some company that he's working with. And he's like, yo, football was like, I was not at a good place with football, you know? And that's another guy who year in, year out recovering, yeah. but it's, it's completely different. Those two people, because like Gronk's also won a bunch, like Gronk don't got to prove shit. He's a first True. ballot hall of famer. Like, True. you know, he's where Andrew Luck, it's, you know, you also have, look, I know he has his money. He's an, he has an engineering degree from Stanford and whatnot. And he comes from like a pretty wealthy family. His father played in the league and whatnot, but it's like, yo, you've made close to a hundred million dollars. The way quarterbacks are getting paid nowadays probably looking at another $200 million contract. Also, the fact that these guys are playing into their 38, 39 years old, and they're playing at a high fucking level. Like Brady Mm. won a Super Bowl. He's 42 years old going into the season. Incredible. Like, it's wild. Like, now it used to be like, all right, well, you're 35, 36. It's a wrap. Now it's like, nah, now you're still in your prime. As a quarterback, your prime is from like 26 to 36 now. Yeah. You know, Drew Brees, hell of a season last year at the beginning, and then tailed off towards the end. But... You know, Ben Roethlisberger also, Philip Rivers, they're close to 40 and they're still balling. You right. Know? It's just the value of the franchise goes down. How'd you feel about it? Did you see the fans booing him? Uh, I did. How'd I you did. feel about that? Uh, I mean... I defended the fan. I feel their pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel their pain. I mean, again, just because it's two weeks out. Yeah. Like, dude, come on. And you know what? Maybe he lost sight of why he was doing it. You know, Could and I be. get it. You know, when you lose your passion for something, it, it, but I don't know. I, I like to always think of you cannot be that selfish, especially in a team sport. Mm. So it's, it's a tough, but I, I, you get, if you make the decision, you gotta, you gotta take what it comes with, what comes with it too. Yeah. And, and, you know, going back to the fans, the thing, the thing that I said, and I even got some backlash on this too. I was just like, yo, I don't agree with what the fans did, but I feel them. Mm-hmm. Can't mm-hmm. I can't that be cool? Like can't that can't I like not agree with what they did but understand them? Yeah. You yeah, know, like I, I understand mean, like they always say, you know, Colin Cowherd, one of the guys that I like to, you know, watch and listen to, he says, yo, fan is short for fanatic. And sometimes you're all you might be looking up. Yeah, you could just take the mic out the thing. Even mm-hmm. easier for you. This is this is solid right okay. here. Yeah, like hey, get comfortable, man. Yo, yeah. how, thoughts on the chair? Is the chair popping or not? No, I love it. Oh, good, know, okay, good. It's, yeah, because I got look. the chair for the guests. No one's sitting in this chair because this chair is. No, that looks this like is a, a Super Bowl right here. This is a gaming chair. It looks like a a, a chair out of a Ferrari. Yeah, it's a serious I can, game. I can back up a little bit if I want to <laughs> pull the lever. It looks like a serious game. Nah, but so like going back to the fans, right? Fan is short for fanatic. It's the fourth quarter, right? Probably have had a lot of beers in them. Also, it's a decision that like kind of came out of nowhere. You're thinking if you're a Colts fan, you're like, damn, fuck. This is the best team we've ever had with this guy at the helm. And, like, we're a Super Bowl favorite. We're probably going to win our division. I've paid my season tickets. Right. And, you know, if you're if you're a guy who makes $50,000 a year, but you love football, you love the Colts, and you just paid for season tickets, 
kind of sucks now. It's kind of trash. Like, damn, yo, we're like, sure, it's cool to go to games, but the excitement drops off a little bit. His teammates too, also like, yo, I feel you, I respect it, but damn, this sucks. Yeah, I, it's the timing, man. Yeah. I, I'm just gonna stick gun on that. Like I said, I'm usually the supportive person and understanding and super, you know, laid back from that regard. But I think the timing is the biggest issue. When you like, I I was watching something on you know Kobe Bryant, and of course he brings up Michael's Michael Jordan's name all the time, and you talk they talk about how Michael Jordan never took a night off because he says, what if there was somebody in the stands watching me for the first time? Seriously, so you 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 saved up, you you know you, you planned this out for a year, and you take your young son who whoever to the game, and you find out I'm not playing. That's devastating. Right. And you talk about someone who's won multiple championships, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. So that is the mentality that I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm referencing here. It's not that I'm trying to be like a critic and, and just a jerk and bash the guy. Right, right. But you have to understand the responsibility that comes with the platform. That, that's the point that I'm really driving home. And, of course, the timing of it, just to walk away 10 days out, that's a, that you, you, you got to deserve the booze that you got with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I feel you on that, you know, like that's a, that's a big issue. The NBA actually has nowadays too. Like guys just, you know, quote unquote, uh, rest days or right. load management days. And it's like, yo, you know, I'm a dude who I live in Atlanta and I love Russell Westbrook mm -hmm. and the thunder coming. Well, it's not the thunder anymore. It's the rockets coming to town. It's like, obviously that ticket's going to be a little more expensive than if the wizards were coming in because, you know, not for nothing, when a better team comes in, the ticket sales go up mm -hmm. and the ticket pricing goes up. Right. We can't say that for MSG because that ticket's fucking regardless, expensive all the time. Regardless. It's like $200 nosebleeds. <laughs> you're playing the Hawks. You're like, God damn, I can't get this for like $50? This ain't the Warriors. Yeah, the cost of living in New York, folks. Yep. Uh, so, you know, like you're a dude in Atlanta and, and the Rockets come in and you've saved up, like you said, and you're going to take mm -hmm. your kids to the game or you're going to take a plus one or something or you and your boy are like, yo, let's get some dope seats. I right. really want to see Russ and Harden. And then... Then you find out like Russ and Harden day off. You're like, what? Yeah. That's trash. And then you can't even sell it because one, you might not have enough time to sell it day mm -hmm. of, right? This mm -hmm. isn't something with the NFL where they tell you on Wednesday or Thursday that, you know, this guy's going to be out. Right. You know what I'm saying? And also with the NBA, it's a superstar driven league. So you're going to games because you want to watch. I mean, shit, the last couple of years, I've been going to Nick games just to watch the other team. Right. Like, oh, the Heat are in town. I got Wade, Bosch and LeBron. I'm in, you know, right. Lakers are in town. I get to see Kobe. Right. Chilling, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I'm I'm with you, man, about how, you know, you the timing is off. Like, you know, you're a Yankee fan, right? Huge. Huge. Fucking guys, year in, year out. <laughs> like, 95 wins is like the floor. Yep. You, you guys yep. get, you, you guys lose in the ALCS and it's like a oh, bad year. I'm like, dude, Seriously. you know what I would do to just, <laughs> you know, my buddy Davino, he's a big Pats fan. And when they lose like a game in September, he's like, you know, outraged. I'm like, bro. Seriously. You've been to 13 <laughs> AFC title games. Like, the at worst you're gonna have a bye week every year. Right. You are taking this for granted. One day it's gonna suck, right? Because Brady and Belichick are not gonna always be there. I know that's right, and it just sucks. But like, yo, the Yankees, right? Imagine this: it's Game Seven, mm -hmm. World Series, Yankee Stadium. Mm. Night before, a judge is like, "I think I'm gonna no walk way. away, man. You're no not gonna be, way. You're not gonna be tight. No way." <laughs> Going back to the timing, like, unacceptable. He's gonna get you know, yep. or even let, let's let's say you know uh, that's an extreme scenario that would uh, happen. But like, you know, CC Sabathia got some backlash from some people too. Right. 
Right. You know, he left, I want to say, like, right before the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Last year. Last year. Because of what he was dealing with. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was dealing with issues. And, you know, the we've changed as, I, I think it's like you said before, the information. Now mm-hmm. it's more accessible. It's more out there. Um, that's also with social media. It's just like people always want to know or people always want to give out information, too. But there's a lot of things that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. So, like, say, like, a guy like Aaron Judge and, and like, Didi are like, yeah, right before you guys square up against the, I don't know, the Red Sox and the ALDS, they're like, yeah, we're going through a lot. We're done. Your initial thought is going to be like, yo, what the hell? Right. And that's why I was defending the Colts fans where a lot of people don't realize that news broke when it wasn't supposed to. Mm. So that broke in like the fourth quarter of the game. And Andrew Luck had planned that he was going to tell his teammates after the game. And then on Sunday, the game was Saturday night on Sunday. They were going to have the big press conference to uh. announce it to everyone else. Adam Schefter broke the report, which is his job. That's what he's supposed to do. And he shut down Twitter. Right. I ended up doing an emergency podcast also at like midnight. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's like initial reaction. You're reading that. You're like, yo, F this guy. Right. That's why I said I understand. I wouldn't do it necessarily, right. but I understand what the fan was going through. Yep. Yeah. I, I think I'm sticking to my guns on this one, man. The timing. The timing and the responsibility of the platform. I get it. We're all human. We deal with a lot. Life is not easy. But you have to think back to the responsibility at hand. I'm sticking with it, Nick. I'm sorry. Even if Judge and Dee were like, yo, I'm out? Screw them. You got it. I'm going crazy. That's going to drive a reaction for sure. But it's like, man, I, I really hope that just as a generation, we continue to change our thought process and be... Of course, I understand the whole concept of self-love and all that. I get it. But I, I think a lot of us also need to be selfless, you know, mm. and put others ahead of us. Uh, that, that, that is really important as well, you know, because that, that's what it comes from. When you're the, the most important thing in your life, yeah, you're going to walk away and screw the other 50-plus guys on your team and the, the hundreds of thousands of fans in your city. It's like, yeah, because you're the most important thing in your world. But when you start to see... Like some of the international guys, and this is why I love soccer so much, right? Like when the World Cup comes around and you see the fans and how they respond with so much passion mm. for the guys and, and what they mean to the to the sport, it's like, I get it now, right? Like that's why I wanted to be a professional athlete. Not so much for the, yeah, it's cool, don't get me wrong, but to be able to... The impact. Right, to be a beam of light in, for so many people. Like, think of Mo Salah, my boy, hey, from Egypt. You know, that's yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. I mean, he got 90 million people in Egypt going bonkers because of what he's doing on a such a big platform. Yeah, and he also got Egypt into the World Cup. Yep. Last last World Cup, he was over there. Uh, was coming off a sensational season with Liverpool. That follows it up with winning the Champions League also, you know. And he played injured. Yeah. He played injured. It turned out that, you know, when he came into that game against Russia or whatnot, he was actually not 100%. Yeah. But the dude sucked it up. And he had to because that was a big moment for your country, man. Absolutely. Your people, so you know? sorry, Luck. I'm, I'm, I'm against you on this one. Got to follow Mo Salah, baby. <laughs> yeah, follow the... Yeah, Mo. Come on, man. I like what you said just now about, uh, you know, selfless. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things with you that, you know, you, um, you've kind of done... A lot. Like, I want people to, you know, we haven't really touched on, like, what you do. How would mm-hmm. you describe what you do? Because, like, with me, what's funny is people, you know, now I have an idea of yeah. what I'm doing, yeah. you know, for the longest time. And this is where you've helped me out with, you know, 
I was going to be an accountant. I was going to be a football coach. I was going to be an FBI agent. I was going to be a cop. I was, I was in so many different lanes. Right. Then I started doing podcasts. And over time, from getting feedback and getting opportunities, I was like, oh, this might be something I could do. Hmm. Never went to journalism school. Still can't write. I passed up on jobs because they asked me to write. And I was like, I struggle with 280 characters on Twitter. You want me writing like actual article pieces? Yeah. And you know, that's that's limiting myself. It's something where I guess I'm just being lazy. Mm-hmm. I should put the time in because, you know, um, shout out to my guy, Joe. He he built his empire and he did it by teaching himself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yo, just Google it. Right. Like Google now isn't just a website. It's a term. Like For it's real. an actual like, yo, YouTube that. That's a term. Yeah. You know, I learned how to cut and edit and, and you know, time out a podcast and be able to like lower the volume coming in or raise the volume. Like, oh shit, you know, we have a we have our air conditioner in the background. I could fizzle that thing out. Wow. You know, I could I, I can mess with Photoshop and now I'm learning how to like make graphics because you just become more of an asset. Right. You know? And YouTubing it, Googling it. You know, I make the joke. I like, yo, you want to learn how to edit? Yeah. YouTube it. There'll be some little Indonesian kid that's eight years old. He'll be the best professor you've ever had. Right. And it was some, some little kid. Seriously. 12, 13 years old. And he was showing me how to do Final Cut, which is the program that I use everything. And it's just like, you just got to want to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So going back to me where it was like, you know, I got offered to do something with this website, writing articles. I was like, yeah, I'm not trying to do it. And then they're like, all right, cool. Well, that's, you know, you can have a podcast and all that, but like primarily we also want you to write. That's me being lazy. And one thing that you taught me and have told me in the past is like, yo, you got to find one lane and kind of go like all in on it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, I have the luxury of having the coffee truck in the city that my father's been there for all these years and whatnot. And now I've taken that over and I have the luxury of being able to support myself while still chasing a passion and a dream now, which has become a dream of mine. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I, what I tell a lot of the people I work with now is working on your weaknesses is an outdated strategy. Mm. That's something from the nineties where they were doing SWOT analysis and thinking about weaknesses and threats and all of that. In today's era, like we talked about Khabib earlier, right? Right. He focused on what he was good at and he dominated. Yeah. Yeah, he got hit once. Yep, you got me at what you're good at once. But I'm going to be such a beast at what I do. A bully. A bully, a straight savage that you can't touch me. Mm. So really what I'm seeing now in studying some of the most successful people in the world and fortunately being able to work aside some of them as well is when you focus at what you're good at and you become great and you just really double down on what you're already doing at such a high level you separate yourself from everybody else. But the biggest challenge that we're up against is we're thinking, but what if my mom doesn't accept me? But what are my friends going to say? But what if people on social media don't rock with me? Or, or what if I don't get a big following doing that as opposed to doing what this person is doing and they have a million plus followers or whatever the case may be? That is what we're afraid of, other people's opinion. But if we just double down on what we're good at, some way, somehow, you find the people who love you and who are into the same, even if it's the weirdest, most craziest, off-the-wall type of thing, you're not, you know, you're not the only one who has that passion. Other people are starting to be like, wow, that story resonates with me. Your life resonates with me. What you're into, I'm into, and I'm looking for a community. So that, that acceptance piece, man, and doubling down on what we're good at 
minusing and shutting down the opinion of others, it's such a huge component. Man, and I, I couldn't agree with you more on all the shit that you said. And one of the coolest things with you is uh, I tore my ACL in 2014, mm -hmm. right? And uh, sorry, 2013, I tore my, my ACL in November. And uh, Joe had put a video together of me kicking like field goals. Yeah. And I sent it out to a bunch of schools. Now, at the time, I was at Nassau County uh, Community College. And, you know, I, I kicked one year up in Buffalo, uh, Buffalo State. Shout out to the Bengals. And then, you know, transferring and whatnot and uh, put this little like highlight package together. And my aunt has been dating this guy for like 15 years, basically married, just, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and he's a famous alumni at Penn State. And I had gotten that video to the coach at Penn State. This is at, you know, 2013 at the time. Hmm. And I was going to I was going to go and attempt to go to their spring ball game to kick as like a live practice thing. And then if I would have made if they would have liked that, they would have offered me a chance to enroll into the school and then be able to maybe make the team hmm. play in fact flag football with the buddies. I tear my ACL in oh, November. God. I cried so much, not because I was in pain. Right. Because I like to say this, and tell me if you agree, no one knows their body better than themselves. Oh, 100%. So when I heard the pop, I was like, yep, I never felt this before. It's a wrap. Mm. Bro, I broke down so much because I thought of that. I was like, damn, son, like, this is whack. You know, right. like, I knew that it was done. Like, right. the dream was officially over there. Right. You know, because I was like 21 at the time, 22, I want to say, and it was like, it's just a rap, you know? And it was around that time where you put me on to someone now that I can't stop listening and watching. And now the craziest shit is we were a fan of this dude and now you work with him. Yeah, yeah. Tell him who I'm talking about. Uh, the one and only E.T. the Hip Hop Preacher, Eric Thomas. Eric Thomas. Dude, I get so hyped. My guy, Mustafa, if you, if you guys know about E.T. or if you follow E.T., you'll see the kid is in the background and I get so pumped. I repost that shit too on my story too Yeah. because I'm like, yo, we used to like... You would send me shit because I also like The Secret. You put me onto The Secret, The Laws mm -hmm. of Attraction and whatnot. And it's not like, oh, yeah, I want a Ferrari. I'm going to get a Ferrari. It's like, nah, like, you also got to put in work Absolutely. for whatever you're doing, too, you know? And uh, it was just mad cool, man. Like, you would send me shit. And then, like, a couple years later, I just see you like, yo, you're working with Eat? What the hell? You right. Know? So how, how'd that come about? Man, a crazy story. And so still kind of crazy for me to believe it. And I have to pinch myself from time to time. But I remember I got in touch with his videos in 2012. I had just, similar to you, right? I had just finished my second year at community college, played baseball. I had a bonkers year, mm -hmm. a great year. But I went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts in our last game of the year with all types of coaches and scouts ah. in the stands. So You know, that, that sucks though <laughs> with baseball, man, because that happens. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, and it's such a tough sport for that reason. But sure enough, I walked away, you know, at the end of that year with no offers, nothing, no scholarship, no opportunities to play at the next level or at a four-year school, and I was lost. So I just so happened to come across his video, and every Monday he was putting out a video called Thank God, Thank God It's Monday. I, I, every time I would watch a video, I'm like, this dude is talking to me. Like, he right. was literally making a video for Mustafa. Right. So... I was reading a book called Think and Grow Rich at the time. And in the beginning of the book, they talk, uh, they reveal a story. I believe it was about maybe Albert Einstein or somebody famous like that. And somebody who wanted to work with him, they write in the book how he didn't have enough money. He didn't know what he was going to do. Thomas Edison, actually. There uh -huh. we go. It was somebody who wanted to work with Thomas Edison. And 
he was like, you know what? I'm just going to find a way to get a train ticket and go in front of Thomas Edison's office. And he ended up getting to the office, stood outside the man's door for days until Thomas Edison finally gave him a shot at just, you know, working with him, doing whatever. Years later, they found out that they actually worked on many inventions together. Mm. So I took that same practice or that same idea and I wrote to E.T. on Facebook. I thought you were stalking him outside his crib. (laughs) (laughs) I would have, but he lives in Michigan. That's the only thing. So I took that same idea and I was like, yo, E. Uh, I introduced myself. I was going to some pro tryouts over that summer. And I said, look, rather than me telling you that I work hard, I'm sure you get that all the time. I'm going to show you I work hard by literally messaging you every single day. Every single day I will message you until we either work together or you become my mentor, something. This is back in 2012. The very second message he responded to me and he said, I like where your head is at. Let's keep in touch. Mm. I'm like, oh, yeah. What I'm thinking was going to take forever. The dude responds on the second time. And so, and a lot of time, you know, with just whatever we're pursuing, sometimes we think it's going to take forever and that's why I'm not going to get started. But dude, if you were to just get started, it may take the second attempt and, and, it, and it starts right there. So our relationship began right there. I saw him at a conference, I think a month later in New York, then the a following week in Jersey. I ended up getting recruited that summer to play at a school in Michigan. Michigan is a huge state for anybody from the Midwest or out of Michigan knows you can drive up and down in that state almost like New York, about 13 or 15 hours. I was placed on a campus in uh, Mount Pleasant, just about 45 minutes away from where he lives. Mm. So it just reignited the relationship that much more. Damn, I'm getting chills. That, that's some, no, you're going to get to like yeah. where you're at now, but just thinking about that, that's so like, like destiny yep. kind of stuff. I, I mean, seriously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many parts to the story. I, I, where I dormed in on campus, uh, two doors down, somebody was, I guess, so E, his business manager, CJ, uh, he was CJ's mentee. Mm. So he was like, how do you know E? I'm like, dude, like, I'm a huge fan. And he's like, you know, CJ's like my my brother, right? I was like, what? Right? So like just when you talk about destiny, like literally everywhere I was going, there were signs. Uh, And then finally, man, three years later, uh, I was in a big transition point in my life. I had already graduated school, started a business. Uh, in the hospitality industry, and I called the company the Dream Supply uh-huh. uh, because I realized that while I love the hospitality industry, I don't want to be in it forever. Right. And I called the company the Dream Supply because I said, this is going to be the thing that helps me to supply my dream. It's going to be the thing that gets me from where I am to where I really want to be. So he launched a conference. It was a speaking conference called P7D in Atlanta. I think it was April of 2017. So I was kind of rallying back and forth. I'm like, am I going to go? Am I not going to go? The investment is going to be about $3,000. Long story short, I ended up going. We rekindled our, you know, our relationship, you know, from 2012. Of course, he remembered me or whatnot. And I just kept showing up, man. Literally kept showing up. We established our relationship, worked together on a few different projects, helped him with his booking process and some of his merchandise and a few other things and now it just so happened we launched the program that i'm pretty much working side by side with him on so uh yeah man that's dope <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah there there are a lot of a lot of parts that have been left out but that's just incredible man and, and also you know like now you do like the public speaking right yeah what would you say is the one thing that people resonate 
from your message because you have a hell of a story too, my friend. And oh, I'm yeah. not just saying that because like you're one of my really close friends. Um, you know, I like to say that, you know, everyone has friends, guys that you don't see all the time. Mm-hmm. You see them maybe 10 to 15 times a year. Right. Might be giving ourselves a yeah, little too yeah, much yeah, credit because yeah. we're both really busy and whatnot. But like, you know, Mustafa came over today and we had a barbecue and whatnot fam loves them and all that it's like welcoming just like you know another brother brother Mm -hmm. from another mother kind of thing but it's like you have that friend that every time you see him it's like yo nothing's changed nothing's been different and that's how it is with you and you know the um the the message that you have you know like like you said before you're muslim Mm -hmm. you also grew up in new york in a very very difficult time yeah you know the 9-11 stuff where it was you know people I, i feel like oftentimes when people mention like racism in this country it's like Man, you guys got it very bad during mm-hmm. that time, especially in New York. Right. You know, so how was that like growing up in New York as like a Muslim kid, man? Yeah, it was off the wall because it, it's funny. I was at the mosque yesterday and one of the guys was visiting from Florida. So he said, as soon as I, as soon as we finished prayer, he shook my hand. He's like, man, I just want to make friends. I'm here from Florida. I want to meet new people. What do you do in New York? So we start talking for a little bit. And he's like, let me, let's, let's connect on Instagram. I said, sure. So I pull up my my handle in his phone and he looks at my profile and he's like, dude, you're a 9-11 survivor? I said, yeah, it's a play on words, but I, I can explain. He said, no, because seriously, my father actually worked on the 95th floor. So oh, I shit. was like, whoa, that's that's crazy. But the way I use it while I wasn't physically in the buildings on September 11 from our school windows, uh, we literally saw the burning towers same man right from the window yep right and i remember vividly man exactly how it was it was probably the first or second week of school it was a nice sunny day beautiful out day. Beautiful dude i remember day. back then i went to ps2 in astoria and my friend danny who i do a lot of daily fantasy stuff with uh you know danny yeah, tall danny yeah, yeah. uh shout out to him we went to the bathroom and because I remember a teacher came in and we were supposed to go out that day, like play in the playground, which was like wow. a big thing for you to like go out to the oh. playground and get to like play outside. You're like, oh mm-hmm. shit, gym is outside in recess. Yeah. Fire. I remember they canceled it and a teacher came in and she was like, yo, she told the other, you know, the teacher in the homeroom, like, yo, a plane hit the world trade center. Wow. And like, she immediately looked out from the window. She's like, oh, you can't see it from this side of the building. Mm-hmm. Me and Danny were like, we didn't know at the time. We were 10 years old. 2011. Right. Yeah. I was 10 yep. years old. Yeah. He's like, yo, you want to go and go ask to go to the bathroom so we can see? And like, yo, you could see it from the... Yeah. And like, yo, we're so young and dumb. We didn't yep. know the magnitude of it. Absolutely. And and that's literally my experience, man. I was sitting there. I didn't. I had been in the country for only four years. Mm-hmm. So while I was at this time now, I knew how to speak English. I was right. reading and writing. I was, you know, making friends. But it was somebody on the other side of the classroom who I guess knew what the buildings represented. And he brought it to the attention of our teacher. And everyone was out of control. We're looking at, I'm talking about massive smoke coming out of these two large yeah. buildings downtown. And it was so out of control that the teacher just ended up putting up the blinds. Mm-hmm. She was like, yo, like you guys can't focus. We're right. putting up the blinds. But then little by little, everyone started getting picked up from school. Yep. You know, like literally everyone was going, I'm like, what the heck Except is going on? Except for me, on? I didn't get picked up. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> me, me and Danny were the last two people in the classroom. I was I was one of the last ones too, man. I'm like, dude, whatever's happening, I know my mom and dad ain't going to come get me. Like, you know, they're, they're out of the loop with that stuff. But eventually after lunch, we ended up getting picked up. And what I remember is we went to the meat market right next to ICYP, mm-hmm. right? And they had the radio playing. 
And I remember it was the first time that people were using and throwing this word around terrorist. Right. And in the same sentence came up Islam and Muslims. And I was like, whoa, what? I'm I'm Muslim. Right. And literally, man, from one day to the next, I went from just a, a fifth grade kid who was going to school every day to then people calling me a terrorist and disrespecting me and bullying me and making fun of me, making fun of my mom because of the way she dressed. And that literally changed the entire trajectory of my life and just how I interacted with the world because, you know, it, it was just a different experience. So it, I call myself a 9-11 survivor for that reason, because while I wasn't physically in the building, I grew up in New York City after September 11 as someone who was of the Muslim faith. Yeah, for someone that's listening to this and they're not from New York or they don't, they might not have friends that that are Muslim and have that background. It, they might it might be hard for them to understand exactly what it was like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if so, here's one thing: for an entire week straight, there was no TV. Mm-hmm. Like literally, for an entire week, the Yankee games were canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything was canceled. All they kept replaying on the media was that. On, on yeah, it was just that. And of course, who was to blame? Like for this terrible act, right. like no, like like let's really just make that clear because you said for people who may not have any association with the Muslim faith, in nowhere in our book of faith does it teach us that this is how you have to act, right? Right? Like this is a group of extremists who are complete idiots. Just so that I'm being very clear, who acted outside of the context of our religion and used that kind of as a blanket, mm. and it really ruined it for billions of people and probably changed history forever. So. It was just terrible. And I think, you know, the way the way our minds work and the way media and marketing works, if you see something long enough, especially when you're emotionally triggered, yeah. oh, you're going to believe it. Yeah, and it, it'll influence you yeah, without a doubt. Absolutely. And, and, and that goes into, like, sports, right? You watch someone that you're a fan of or you watch someone that reports or he's an analyst. And, like, eventually, you, if you're such a big fan of them, you hear yep. yourself talking and giving takes similar to them. You know, Absolutely. Like this guy, Skip Bayless, has built an empire on hot takes. Mm-hmm. Like, he, mm-hmm. cre- he literally was, he used to be a reporter in Texas, right? Then he got his big break, was on ESPN. And I don't know exactly what the moment was, but eventually he just started saying the most outrageous shit ever. Mm-hmm. And then it just caught on. Like, he was, you know, I, I called Tim, our buddy Tim, I call him the hot take kid. It's like, well, that's actually Skip Bale. It's like he built an empire off that. Now yeah. it's like, and even sports now, if you watch uh, sports, whether it's Fox or whether it's ESPN or anything, it's like, what's the most outrageous thing I could say right. that could be clipped, right? go viral, and then people could talk about it for two, three days. Yeah. And then that becomes a talking point. Like, if you become a big name like Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, Colin Cowherd, you become a talking point on other shows, right? Right. So it's like, oh, did you hear what what uh, Mustafa said today about Andrew Luck? Right. right. And it becomes a talking point. Did you hear what Nick said about Antonio? Brown? Yeah. It becomes a talking point when you get up to that. So yeah, you could definitely be easily influenced. Yeah. What's the message that you sell with the with um, I wouldn't even say sell because like it's your story, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I feel like one thing with me that you told me to do was to be transparent with your audience. Yeah. And I started doing that with my Twitch stream. Right. And I noticed how, like, everything started to change for me when you become just talking about it. Right. You know, stop holding it in. And I know it sounds so easy and so cliche, but just, like, talking about it. Yeah. So what's the what's the thing that you, like, preach, I guess you could say? What's, like, your... How would you describe yourself as a speaker? My main thing. Yeah. Uh, man, I, I, I'm really just trying to penetrate people's hearts and get them to believe in themselves and accept themselves for who they are 
before the world them before the world told them who they should be. Right? I feel like our experience with the world, just similar to my story, and I'm sure you can pinpoint sometimes in your life where it changed from who Nick really was truly, mm. being genuine and authentic to himself, to then changing to the Nick who was intentional about wanting to be accepted and right. be cool and you know, do these different things. So on the uh, on on that on the other side of that, if you can just go back to to who you are on, on an authentic level, I think that's where your biggest gift, where your purpose is, where your truths are, and you really can live happy and experience success and joy and fulfillment and all those incredible things that sound super cliche and probably dumb to some of the people I'm <laughs> listening to this now, but I've just been able to break through some of those barriers and get back to who I am from being authentic, from accepting myself for who I am. Uh, so that's pr primarily my message now, man, is just helping people go back to that that true person inside of them. You know, you, you touched on a couple things there, but going back a little further earlier in the show, uh, you talked about my pops being old school and like the loyalty thing. So here's the thing with me, right, to pull the curtain back even more. To this day, mm -hmm. now... I don't know how people listening or how you would describe what I've been doing with the shows and whatnot as successful or whatnot, whatever, right? It's nowhere near where I want it to be. Right. To this day, still haven't gotten congratulated by them. Mm, wow. Because it's something that they don't understand. Right. Like, they can't understand that someone would want to listen to me talk about sports right. while not being on the platforms, the bigger platforms, right? Yeah. They don't understand why I stay home on Friday nights sometimes to just edit videos, to post he's like right. yo go out you're 28 like you're a young kid you know like Enjoy you're a good looking life. kid they of course they say that because they're my parents hey. you know? like, they're like yo go out have fun chill with your friends and whatnot but it's like yo you there's there's a bigger picture that you guys don't see right and man it was a kid cuddy line kid cuddy if you know his story battle mm -hmm. mental illness yeah big big advocate for that too and you know last year was pretty dark for your boy mm -hmm. it was a rough year for me and I listened to a lot of Kid Cudi and there was one one verse that he says that like kind of changed my whole life. And it was like, I hope they understand that I really understand that they don't understand. Wow. And I heard that. And again, talking about how, like you said, Eric Thomas posts these videos on Monday mm -hmm. and you're like, yo, he's talking to me. I was like, yo, bro, they don't understand what you're doing. Right. And it's cool because right. it's not normal. Right. right. A lot of times when I found myself, the thing with me was and. You know, I'm not trying to be super motivational guy and want you guys to like, nah, this is just like my story and Mustafa's story. Like I said before, like didn't go to journalism school, didn't do broadcasting or whatnot. It's just like, yo, I just love talking about sports. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to build this pretty cool platform where people like I have quote unquote fans, like people that are down with the brand and whatnot. Right. And, you know, a lot of times for the longest time when I wanted to be a cop, it was like, I don't really want to be a cop. I was right. trying to make my parents and even people like around me like, yo, not for nothing, dude. It was whack when I was like 25, 26 and everyone has their life in order. Like right. they have their career jobs and whatnot. And that's another conversation where it might look good, but they're also uh -huh. in certain spots that they don't feel comfortable into or happy with, you know? And it's just like, you know, going out, family events, family dinners, like, oh, so what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I would just be like, I'm just figuring it out, man. Right. Like, because I didn't want to sit there and be like, yo, I do this podcast, right? I do these shows. I talk about betting and wrestling and sports. And, right. you know, I work with my dad. I run that business too. And it's like, 
you know, I'm, I work out a lot because I'm not trying to get fat again because mm -hmm. I got really, I ballooned up at one point. I was like almost 200, I was 245 pounds. Wow. Right. And it was, you know, I looked just round. I had no definition to myself and it was, it was nasty, you know, like as someone who was in shape his whole life to mm -hmm. get to that point, it was, it was gross, you know? So it just got to a point, man, where I was just like, shit, we're down here where we're recording right now. I had my family over for Thanksgiving and like I was going through the cop stuff and all, you know. Uh, the lawyers and all that. And it was just like, listen, I don't know what the final decision is going to be, but if I end up being a cop, I'm going to like, I'm going to blow my brains out. Like I'm wow. not going to be able to survive it. Like, yeah. So you, you tell me what you want me to do. Right. Right. And then from that on, it was just a weight off your, the shoulders. Like yeah. I'm finally doing what I want to do and I'm going all in on, on something I want to do. And you bring up the, the name of your company, right? Dream supplier. Mm -hmm. Right. That's sort of what my business is. With the truck. Yeah. Like that's giving me, now it might not be the money it's giving me that's supplying it, right. but it's the time. Absolutely. Where I'm not really doing a quote unquote nine to five. Mm -hmm. Sure. I wake up wild early. I'm up at two 30 in the morning, every morning. A lot of times I don't sleep in the afternoon and then I'm shit. If you follow me on Instagram and shit, you'll see my posts at like 12, 1230. Like I don't sleep. I sleep on the weekends. Right. Like, you know, we're in the basement right now. If the lights are off, it is pitch black in here. You don't see shit <laughs> if I don't have an alarm clock on, you know, and it, it just got to a point, man, where for those of you guys listening right now and, you know, like I said at the beginning, one of the reasons why I like having this platform now and these kind of podcasts, it's like to open up so you can see that there's more than what you see behind the scenes. Absolutely. And it's like now I can honestly say I'm in a place right now where I'm super like, I don't want to say content, but I'm like just happy with where I'm at. Right. And finally, like, there's no more BS beating around the bush. Like, yo, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. If you're not down with it, it's cool. I'm not mad at you. Not offended. Like, the door's right there. I'm not asking anyone to be down. Right. You know? And, like, right. even my pops, it's just, it's the old school thing, right? Like, you know, high school, get a degree, work in a cubicle. Like, that's how they envisioned it, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, it's just, like, just finding what you're what you're good at or what you care about doing and just go with it, man. Yeah. You got to find a way, man. I mean, you know, it's funny. And I went on a rant there. That was good though. You dropped I appreciate some bars. it. I dropped that some was, bars. That was really good. Bars with a Z. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say in, in, in a lot of my research, I actually found that the way we're wired from a, just a psychological standpoint, nearly 80% of our thoughts are negative. Mm. Like, literally, just think about that, dude. Nearly 80% of our thoughts are negative. So our biggest critic, we are the most self-destructive people in our own lives. A thousand percent. Right? I agree with you. Uh, like, you're, you're ever on a highway driving and, let's say, a trailer, you're passing a trailer, and you just automatically zoom by? Yeah. You, because what? In Bro, that's, mind, how, that's how I got my speeding ticket. The wow. speeding ticket that ultimately was my demise from being a cop. And cost me a lot of money. I did mm -hmm. a 70 and a 50, bypassing an 18-wheeler with the work van. Mm. Got pulled over, got a ticket. A three or four points on my license. Wow. Only ticket. Right. I tell people, like, I'm an exceptional driver. I'm <laughs> sensational. Like, if you're going to blow up one day, you need a chauffeur, your boy is here. Like, I'm fantastic behind it. the wheel. You I know? love it. I but it's it. like, like you said, I, was, I, I can't tell you that that's what I was thinking at the moment. But right. it was just like, that's... It's instinctual. Yeah. Because, again... Our brains are wired to keep us safe. Mm. So what what happens? We're automatically thinking, well, what can possibly endanger my life? So you're always assuming on the negative side. A lot of us are overthinking and constantly making up scenarios that don't even exist. 
Imagine you saved yourself those three, four years and just had the conversation with your family mm. and said, hey, look, I understand that this is what makes you happy. And it shows that to your friends, your son is a success. But I can be a success to your friends and not be happy. Right. Personally, me as your son. And now that I understand this, and I'm sure you you went through it, and maybe you can kind of share what gave you the courage to finally just break out and be like, you know what? This is what I'm going with. But now that I understand that, it is literally my life mission to free people mm. from that negative subconscious, those experiences that ultimately kind of become jail cells on our lives. So it's incredible. But yeah, to, to your point, I'd love to know, you know, what gave you the courage to finally be like, you know what, mom, dad, fam, this is what it is. So it was obviously not a rush decision and it did come over time, but it's like, you know, I started the podcast when I was 23, right? 28 now, like I said, uh, there's four years that I've been doing podcasts and in the beginning, like, you know, shout out to Joe. He gave us a tremendous platform because he was able to build him, himself up to a certain point. And then we start to show whatnot. Right. And then over time, it just became more and more evident that like I might have something here because I ventured off and I started my own podcast and they were doing well. Yeah. And then like, you know, I started getting, man, I had my buddy Matt on, Matt Pavage. He's a comedian. And he said something. He used this analogy and it was tremendous. He was like, yo, life is like a gumball machine. When you go to the supermarket when you're a kid, you know, you wanted that gumball. It was like 25 cents. And yeah. then that shit would spiral all the way down from that long. And then you got the gumball. And those first like eight minutes, it's like the sweetest thing you've ever had. Right. Then eventually what happens? Dries up. Yeah. It's trash. You throw, you get rid of it. Right. Well, what do you want now? Another gumball. Mm. So it's like life. As you move on through life, it's like, you know, that gumball might be a day's worth. It might be a year's worth. It might be five years worth. Eventually, you need something to like motivate you you know, that sweet taste. Right. So like with me, it was like, you know, getting positive feedback from the fans, right? Getting written up by this company in London who I never interacted with being like, yo, Degeneration Bets, my sports betting show is one of the best sports betting shows in the world. Wow. And I was like, what the hell? This is cool. When, when like a Gary V tweets out, yo, I'm looking for someone to do sports betting content and I'm taking a nap and I wake up and I have 50 notifications. I'm like, it's June. It's not my birthday. Like, what's right. going on? And everyone's like, yo, Lamb Show, Lamb Show, Nick's your guy. Nick's your, it's like, mm. damn, like, that's refreshing that, like, people have, people listening are kind of giving me the cosign. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And even, like, talking with my friends, when my friends are, I, I'd say, are also, like, my biggest critics as far as, like, you know, um, they make fun of me when I give a bad take. But that's just, like, my friends, right? Like, they're going to cut your ass. You know what I mean? Like, right. Well, I play daily fantasy. If I tell him like, yo, you got to play this guy this week. And like, he doesn't do well. They're like, yo, and you have a show and you talk about this shit, you know, but it's like, <laughs> it comes from a place of good heart and good intention. But when they started to co-sign, mm. it's like, those guys are the hardest people to impress. Yeah. And then it just got to a point where like, I auditioned for some places too. And you know, the show, we all went in and auditioned for some places. And it was like, well, you know what? This thing, there might be something more to this, you know, shit. I got, I mean, you knew this and I don't know how many people listening to this. I had braces. Right. Not when I was 16. I was 26. <laughs> as an adult. As an adult. Right. And one of the reasons why was because I was self-conscious about the way I looked in front of a camera. Mm. One of the reasons why I don't want to get fat again is because I want to look nice in front of a camera. Right. And with that. And like for me, fitness has become something where like it's like for me, 
right. as like a confidence thing and like being in front of a camera and being like, yo, I don't look like a complete jerk on here as far as like my physical appearance. Mm-hmm. So that's why I had braces until I was 27. And like I always tell people, I was like, yo, you know how hard it is to try to talk to a cute ass girl at the bar with braces on at this age? I was right. like, it's tough, man. It's tough. <laughs> but I had to do it because I thought of something bigger right. than where I was currently at. And it just got to a point where I was just like, yo, this is all I care about doing. In, in, in 2018, it was the worst year of my life. And I can't even tell you what the number two seed would be. Like, it was number one by a landslide. And uh-huh. I feel like getting through that, I think I could get through anything kind of thing. Let's go. Right? You know what I'm saying? So um, it just got to a point where, like, the only thing that kept me sane and happy was the shows. Yeah. Or doing something that involved the shows. Yeah. And, yeah. Wow. So at that point, it was just like... Yo, I love working. And look, I haven't mentioned how much I love working at the truck, too. Right. I love the cooking. I love the interaction with the people. Every day, something different. Right? Very personable with people. Uh, Love talking. Right? And I love doing that. Also because, one, I've seen what it's provided for me growing up. Right. I know in the back of my mind, like, yo, worst comes to worst, there's a tremendous fallback plan because possibly able to buy a house, cars, whatever, and, like, we're chilling. Right? I have something that I can like raise a family with yeah. for the longest time. I didn't know what I was doing. So when I would go out and I meet a girl's dad, be like, Oh, so what do you do? I'd be like, ah, I'm just trying to figure it out, sir. <laughs> you know, it's just, oh. and then I, I, at one point, man, it just got to a point where it was just like, man, this is what I'm going to do. And if you're not down with it, it's cool. Like I yeah. said, I don't offend you. Uh, I'm not offended by it. Right. it. It's fine. But like, this is what I'm going to do. If you don't like it, that's cool. If you don't agree with it, I'm going to prove you wrong. One way, if, if, if I respected you to that point, right, right, obviously right, my parents, right. you know, my close friends, like, that's cool. You doubt it. I'll prove you wrong. One day you'll tell me good shit. You'll ask me how I did it. But I was like, just, just don't get in the way. Wow. Well, you know what? You said you're not trying to be the motivational guy. Uh, I think I work enough with E that I, the motivation has rubbed off on me. So for the next two minutes, for somebody who's like this guy <laughs> forgive me for the motivation but i like to think of motivation as the gasoline that goes into your car right mm-hmm. you can have the sweetest ride fastest if you don't put gas into that thing you're going nowhere right so i understand some of the people who are like yo motivation is overrated you need energy everybody needs energy to keep them going and i just want to take a moment and on your show mm. you know just show love to you for your resiliency and just for staying so committed because a lot of people may not know this, but I've known you, of course, for a very long time. And I think one of the most committed, humble, and really just all around great human beings. Uh, and I'm, I'm super excited and just so happy to be a part of this journey, even if I play just a small part in it, because I know you're going to go on to do incredible things. So I just want to take a moment and say, you know, shout out to you for, for pushing through that, man. It's not an easy thing. I know some people listening are like, you make it seem so easy. It's not. And, I, and I've definitely had some conversations with you where I know it's like, oh, shoot, this kid is Dude, on edge. I, I've, wanted, <laughs> I've wanted to quit everything right. so many times. And when I mean everything, I mean, like like I said before, I listened to a lot of Kid Cudi and Logic. You yeah. know their music. Like, it was rough, man. It was rough. And, if you know, you talk about resiliency and it's it's like, yeah, like to, to this day, like I don't sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm always tired. Mm-hmm. Might not come off that way on the mic sometimes, but it's like I don't sleep. And um, I kind of wear that like a badge of honor. We were talking about badge of honor before with like Khabib and like being a Muslim fighter, right? Yeah. Like, 
you know, like for me, that's really the thing. And, and yeah, it's not, this isn't like, I'm not trying to be motivational. I think, I think motivation comes from like just telling your story. I think everyone has a story. Yeah. It's Everyone's, life, dude. Yeah. Life. Yeah. And I, I, people can call it what they want, but we all experience life in our own shape or form. We have our own experience with it. But one of the things that's guaranteed is you will get tested. You will get challenged. So I'm, I don't mind having these conversations and literally for days on end, I'm, I'm talking about nonstop. I don't get tired because I've just grown to be such a, a big fan of living and experiencing life at that's the where highest I'm at now too. Right. So yeah, I, I be as motivational as you want for the next few minutes. Uh, and I hope the, the VM <laughs> listeners don't mind. Nah. Yeah, man. Like also, you know, um, when I've, when I've thought about quitting the shows or like stopping doing whatever, it's like, damn, yo, I got to drive an hour now into Queens to kind of go record shit. It'd be like some random ass, like Wednesday morning and some fan would hit me up like, yo, man, that last podcast got me through mad shit. Mm-hmm. All right, it's like a rant, like an authentic, like, you know, I know there's gonna be some people that are going to DM me and be like, yo, man, you know, like, I love you, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get that. But I mean, like a genuine, like. Five o'clock in the morning, they see that I'm active on my social media one way or another. And then they hit me up like, yo, man, I really like what you're doing. Keep going. It's mm-hmm. like, yo, don't never understand how much that little shit means to you. Yeah. Like that little fuel like you were talking about. But that shit goes a long ass way. When someone gives you a cosign and they've never met you before. Oh, for sure. Like that's the craziest thing to me. Oh, for sure. It's, it's, it's wild to me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Humans, man, humans can connect on so many different ways and. I think it's it's beautiful when we can put our egos aside and just be like, yo, I appreciate this kid. Or like, I think this dude is, is doing his thing. Like, let's give him some credit. So, yeah, that's that's solid. Damn, how long do you think we've been going? 33 minutes. For real? Yeah. We're over an hour. Get out of town. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yes, sir. Hey, man, this is a cool thing about podcasting, bro. You you just press record. You just shoot the shit. You know, like when I, what, I mean, everyone that listens to the show knows this. I've made it very obvious that I don't really know what I'm going to talk about when I have a guest on. Even the people that I interview that are quote unquote, you know, not quote unquote, like they're actual reporters or beat writers or athletes even. Like I'm a big vibe and energy guy I've become. Yeah. Where like. I didn't expect to have these, the last 20 minutes, I didn't expect to have that kind of conversation on here. Right. But it's like, that's just the vibe and energy that I got from you. Amen. You know, like I kind of just have like, the one thing I told you before we started recording, again, pulling the curtain back was like, yo, let's just open up with some UFC talk. Yeah. That's all. And then from there, I was like, maybe we could touch on the Yankees. Right. It's like, we barely touched on the Yankees, really. Right, you know right, right. Mean? Better off. This is my show. We're not talking about the fucking Yankees. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> last thing though, as we wrap up here, um, Let's talk about the Yankees. Okay. <laughs> How are you feeling about them going into the playoffs? I think this is a solid run. Uh, a lot of guys are coming back healthy. Uh, and, and by the way. Big by, Yankee fan Mustafa is. If huge. We that, that huge. Clear. By the way, we're doing all of this without Dylan Batances and Severino. So as, as those two come back, I think it's really going to put us on edge. Gary, Gary Sanchez is swinging a hell of a bat right now. Super hot. And to see him come around and really hold it down. Gleyber Torres, Didi, Judge. A lot of people are really coming strong, so it's like you don't even notice that somebody like Giancarlo Stanton is not in the lineup. You don't right. even notice like that somebody like Greg Bird is not in the lineup, right. which are big-name players. So it's phenomenal to see them really going on a run, and what I love is that they're all supporting each other. Mm. You can tell that they're beating to like one drum just as a family. Like that whole issue with Brett Gardner where he was just banging the bat and going bonkers, but Aaron Boone 
and I was kind of skeptical about him as a coach. I'm not going to lie to you, but you know, him stepping up to be the head coach and really supporting the guys and just being there for his team. I'm like, you know what? I like this new style of play for the Yankees. And it's, it's been phenomenal. It's unbelievable that you lose a guy like Aaron judge for a little bit. A guy like Stanton don't skip a beat. Nothing, nothing. God forbid Pete Alonzo goes down for the Mets. <laughs> Like, oh, that's 50 home runs out the oh, But, hey, shout out to him, too, though. I nah, mean, yeah, he's been... Rookie he's, season that just shit is going him. bomb. It was fun, man. That run they went on where they won, like, 18 of 20 games. It right. was cool. Like, it's... Look, I follow baseball. I'll, when the Mets are good, I follow baseball. Spoiler. It's not often. <laughs> but, but when they are and, like, people are in the... Because I also think when you're watching baseball sometimes, the crowd might not be into it. I love playoff baseball. A lot of people don't know that about me. Oh, playoff baseball because it's also a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, this is like the wild card game. Oh, I don't. I, I don't think I've missed a wild card game since they brought it up. Wow. Like it's it's just like, yo, all your eggs in one basket. Like you got. I just played one sixty two. Mm-hmm. Comes down to this shit to have yeah. a chance to go up against the best team in my conference right. or in my league. Right. You know, and like, come playoff time. That's why. That's why people like the NFL. The NFL, 16-game season, every single game matters, right? There's no like, oh, we're on a four-game losing streak. We'll turn it around. Well, you better because mm-hmm. it's quiet for you, mm-hmm. right? One football game is equal to 10 baseball games. Imagine a team loses to, loses 40 games in a row. Oh, God. That's how you would equate that I to I never thought football. about it that way. That's crazy. You know, that's why after a four-game losing streak, coaches get fired right. sometimes. Or like it's like, oh, we're going to try this quarterback out or we're changing our offensive coordinator. It's usually the coordinators are the first ones to go. It's like, oh, we've given up 130 points in three games. It's like, well, a de- defensive coordinator got to go. So there's a sense of urgency with the NFL. There's a sense of urgency when it's playoff baseball, playoff mm-hmm. anything, you yeah. know? Um, NCAA tournament, it's massive because one game and you're out. Right. You know? So that's my favorite thing about baseball, playoff baseball. So when the Mets were going on this winning streak, it was just fun because, like, the crowd was into it. The crowd was engaging. Obviously, they made up ground in the wild card and whatnot. And it was cool. I got back into it a little bit, but I, I do know that it's like, it seems like it might be L.A. versus New York. Which would be cool. Dodgers, Yanks, that'd be cool. Dodgers been to the World Series last couple of years, couldn't yep. get over the hump. Yeah, Yanks yep. haven't been there in 10 years, and the, crowd, the, the, the fan base is ready to just, <laughs> we're ready to go it's nuts. Like you bastards. Yeah. With 95 yeah. games a year and complain. We, the we'll, nerve. <laughs> we'll see what happens with the Astros, though, because I think they have a great squad, too. Like, Coming into the year, I thought Boston really had an upper hand because I said, why the heck are the Yankees not going for pitching? Like, why are we not landing big-name guys, especially in the starting rotation? But right now, Boston is pretty quiet. I think we've been beating them up all season. But the Astros, them boys can play. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I think it's going to come down just like last year, right? Whoever stays hot or gets hot at the right time and can stay healthy throughout this last month of the year. I mean, this is crunch time, literally. I mean, you look up... 30 days from now, you're, you know, you're going to be at the ALCS probably, if not World Series time already. Man, them Astros boys did it right. Sucked for all those years, hit on all their <laughs> prospects, yeah. had some money. Yeah. Verlander just doing no hitter like last week. I know. I know. Yeah, man. And the guy, I feel like he's been pitching for ages. I know. So that's a, that's the ultimate example of a guy who was on a shitty ass team for so long, and people forgot how great he was, and then he got traded to the Astros. And shit, I remember when we did the we did like a MLB um, trading deadline news, and I was like, 
I kind of feel like Verlander might be a big pickup. And Tim and Boss, who I defer to them when it comes to baseball, like they know their shit for baseball. Yeah. They're like, yo, he's been trash for so long. I was like, yo, I feel that. And I was like, obviously, I, I believe you guys talking about it. But I was like, I just think there's a natural, like, I don't even know what's the term I'm looking for. But like, just naturally, when you've been in a, like, oh, we're going to win 60 games again this year and right. 70. And then it's like. Yo, I just got traded to a contender. Yeah. And the best team in baseball at the time, roughly, like, yep. you know, the they're Astros at the time were like, yo, we're going to be yeah. a good-ass team. Look what happened. He catapulted them to a World Series. Dude, the the, the life came back in his arm. Hell his yeah. velocity's back up. Yo, he threw 120 pitches in his no-hitter, and the last one was clocked at 97. It's like, Gee, what? Wait, that, now, that's that's prime time, Justin yeah. Verlander right there. And then he got to go home to Kate Upton. Hey. Great girl. Great girl. Great girl. That's the best thing to you just say great girl. Makes and sense. You you just leave it open for others to interpret. You All can't right. get in trouble. I got you. Great girl. Everyone's a great girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Moose, my guy. It was a pleasure. Always. I enjoyed it. Where are we at? Like one ten? You said a half hour. I, I just got lost in time, man. It was a great it was a great experience. Where can they find you if they want to contact you? See your stuff too, because you put a lot of content out on your Instagram also and it's growing. I do see that. You get the cosign from ET, you get the cosign from your boy. You know what I'm saying? We're uh yeah, man, we're just trying to really do something positive in the world. And I know that sounds cliche again, but I don't care because I'm I'm walking in my gift and I'm owning it right now. Uh you can find me online pretty much anywhere that's social at Mustafa underscore Gonum. It's M-O-S-T-A-F-A underscore Gonum, G-H-O-N-I-M. I'll make sure I have everything tagged for you guys to find. They'll be in the description in the episode. As far as I go, you can find me at The Lamb Show on all social media outlets, at Veterans Minimum on Twitter, at Veterans Minimum Show on Instagram. Uh, yeah, let us know what you guys thought about this episode, and we will catch you guys next time, baby. I just like When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.